Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We're jumping back to the New Testament today in Matthew chapter 18 is where we find ourselves today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these times that we can spend together in your word. We pray for the leading of your Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and help us to know and understand your word and help us to receive and to live your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is the king over his kingdom, and his kingdom is very different from the kingdoms of this world. As we come to Matthew 18 today, we're going to see the values of the kingdom, the mindset of the kingdom, the priorities of the kingdom are just completely different from the world. Let's hear God's word, Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like a children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life than with one eye, with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you not, do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established on the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Hmm. This is God's word. So again, Jesus is teaching us the values of the kingdom, what life in the kingdom looks like. And he, he covers many common things that were known in his day. But he challenges assumptions about all of them. It begins with his disciples asking him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How is greatness in the kingdom of heaven measured? Or in other words, what are the values of the kingdom? What do you, King Jesus, value? What do you consider to make someone great? And Jesus called for a child, a small child. Small children were not highly valued in the ancient world because so many children died from childhood diseases that we now get vaccinated against. And so life expectancy for small children was very low. And because small children couldn't really contribute by doing labor and they took a lot of needs, small children just weren't valued highly in the ancient world. They weren't. But Jesus shocks everyone and says, you need to become like children or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You need to humble yourself like this child to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Little children are helpless. They can't do very much. They believe what's told them by those who are in authority because they, they receive that from adults in their lives. So, so to realize our limitations, to realize our weakness, and to trust Jesus and to receive what he says, that's what matters. And then Jesus says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drown in the depths of the sea. Jesus is saying, not only, not only do small children model for us how we come into the, the kingdom of heaven, but also 
they are they themselves are truly valuable to God because if you cause one of them to sin, oh, it would be disastrous. That is horrible. Do not cause little children to sin. There's a, a, a special kind of evil that is a sin done against a small child or that leads a small child into sin. And then Jesus takes that and he he further expands on how serious sin is and how horrible it is and how we must fight against it and how we must seek to get it out of our lives. Sin is deadly. Sin is not a toy. Sin is not a game. Sin is not something we can mess with and then let go of, you know, whenever we want to. It is a serious thing. And while he doesn't literally mean cut off your hand or your foot or gouge out your eye, he does mean we need to take extreme measures to get out of our lives anything that's causing us to sin. Some of us need to be very much more vigilant about what we watch, what we listen to, what websites we visit, what voices we allow to have influence in our lives, the people we spend time with and that we have our most intimate friendships with. All of these things we need to be much more careful about. And some of them we need to cut out of our lives, even if it's very, very costly because they're causing us to sin. Put up barriers. Cut things out of your life. Take it seriously. Sin is to be taken seriously. Now, a natural human religious way of thinking about taking sin seriously might be to say, well, if we're going to take sin that seriously because sin is so deadly and so awful, then clearly anybody who's fallen away into sin, forget them. Just get rid of them. They're they're horrible. And I have anything to do with them because sin is so terrible. Or might also say, if someone has sinned against me, well, if sin is so bad, then someone sinning against me is so bad too, and I'm not going to forgive them. So the rest of what Jesus says in this chapter is to sort of counter the sort of natural human way of religious people, like, you know, you can think of your super religious people who think sin is really terrible, and they, they have a tendency to just treat people who are lost as despised and rejected, and they have a tendency to be very unforgiving. So Jesus directly confronts that. He says, he says that God does not despise those who are lost. The good shepherd will leave the 99 secure sheep and go after the one who went astray. So even though sin is very serious, we take it very seriously, God's love for sinners is stronger and causes him to pursue sinners. And then he says, reconciliation and forgiveness are to be pursued. He gives us a way of pursuing reconciliation and forgiveness in verses 15 to 20. He says, you know, if your brother is sinned against you, go to him, tell him your fault one-on-one. If he listens to you, you've, re- you've gained your brother and you've rescued him from sin. And that's a good thing because sin is so terrible and you love your brother, you want your brother to be rescued out of sin. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you so that everything can be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If they don't listen to them, then tell it to the church. And here I think, given the rest of what the New Testament says about the church and the way that the church is developed and unfolded throughout the remainder of the New Testament, the idea is you would take it to the elders of the church. Not that you go to church on Sunday morning and stand up during testimony time and say, 
let me tell you what Brother John did against me. No, that's not what you do. You go to the elders and you have the elders as a group. Every church should have a group of elders. Have those elders uh, help you deal with this sin issue. But if they refuse to listen to the church, that is to the eldership of the church, then you treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector, which doesn't mean you hate and despise them, but you you say you're not showing the fruit of someone who is truly a follower of Jesus. You are showing fruit of being someone who is an unbeliever because you've been repeatedly confronted about sin and you refuse to repent of it. You refuse to confess it. You refuse to make reconciliation. So I'm going to treat you as if you are not a believer, which means I'm going to pray for your salvation and share the gospel with you, but I'm not going to treat you as though you belong in the church when in fact you do not. Well, then Peter has been listening to all of this and he thinks he gets it. He thinks he understands what Jesus means. You have to really forgive. Forgiveness is important. So he comes up and he says, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? That would have been way above and beyond what was the standard of the day. The Pharisees' standard of the day was three times. Someone sins against you, you forgive them once, you forgive them twice, you forgive them a third time, and then you cut them off and have nothing to do with them. Jesus says, no, no, no. Even Not three times, not seven times, 77 times. And it may even be because the Greek for doing numbers and math is a little bit um, ambiguous. It could be 70 times, seven times. But either way, have you had someone sin against you personally 77 times and you have forgiven them 77 times? Jesus isn't saying on the 78th time you say, forget it, you've reached the limit. He's giving us a number. That is, uh, seven is associated with, with the work of God. Right, and so it's seventy sevens, uh, or either seventy times seven or seventy-seven. It's a lot more than what we would normally think. And to help us understand that, he tells this parable, and this is one of the really, really key parables. And here's where I wish I had more time. The king here calls in this servant, and this servant owes him ten thousand talents. Now, a talent, a single talent, is seventy-five pounds. And these talents are most likely talents of gold. That's what usually was the standard measure of uh, a precious metal that was used in, in trade for, for, for commodity. So this servant owes the king 10,000 times 75 pounds of gold. That's 750,000 pounds of gold. He can't pay that. He can't ever pay that. That is a sum that is impossible for anyone to pay given a hundred lifetimes. I don't think he even knows how much he owes the king. But the king says, take him, his wife, his children, everything he has, sell them all to make payment, to make payment toward the debt. It's not that it would be settled at that point. And he pleads, he begs on his knees, he says, oh, have patience on me, and I will pay you everything. I, this is why I don't think he understands how much he owes, because I don't think he would have said that. Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Really? You're going to pay back 750,000 pounds of gold? I don't think so. The other reason why I don't think he understood how much he owed and how much he was forgiven is that he goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him 100 denarii. Now, I've heard some people tell this story as like it's $50. It's not. 100 denarii is a serious amount of money. It's a hundred days wages. So if you made a hundred dollars a day from your wages, then a hundred days wages would be $10,000. That is not a small amount of money. 
That is a significant sum of money that someone owes this servant. He chokes him and he doesn't have any mercy on him and he throws him into prison. And the king says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you? Number one, none of us understands how much we have sinned against God and how much debt we owe that Jesus paid for on the cross. That's number one. You have sinned against God a hundred times more than you are aware of, easily. The debt that you owe for your sin against God is incalculable, and Jesus paid it all on the cross. If someone sins against you, even in a serious way, even in a really hard, painful way, because $10,000 would be hard to just sort of take that loss, that would be really difficult. Someone has sinned against you in a really hard, difficult way. Forgive them. Not because they deserve it. Not because you can afford it. But because Jesus has forgiven you thousands of times more than whatever it is that they have done against you. That's the kingdom. The kingdom takes sin very seriously. How seriously? So seriously that it cost the Son of God his life on the cross. And because sin is to be taken so seriously, forgiveness is to be offered because forgiveness is what releases people from the debt and the bondage and the slavery to sin. We need to hear Matthew 18. We need to prayerfully take it to heart so that we would be kingdom-minded people, people who humble themselves like children, people who value children, people who take sin with a deadly seriousness, people who value the lost, people who seek reconciliation with their brothers, and people who forgive freely, even extravagantly. Let's pray. Father, write this word on our hearts today and shape us by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for Matthew 18. Tomorrow, we're going to be jumping back to Genesis chapter 47, which is actually one of the toughest chapters of the Bible for me uh, personally. I really struggle with Genesis 47. So that's where we're going to be tomorrow morning. Um, I hope you'll join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.